Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. We go to the book of John chapter three, and I got a few verses there that I want to read to you as we continue with our sermon series, Kingdom Culture, chapter three, verse one, and it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he, he came to Jesus to speak with him. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, now watch this response from Jesus. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We're talking about the culture of the kingdom today. Okay? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That's a, that's a very curious question to ask, right? But that also lets you know that this man had no idea what Jesus was talking about when Jesus said you got to be born again. Jesus is introducing this concept of being born again for the very first time, and Nicodemus was lost. Probably about as lost as some of you are when I said being born again. But today we're going to unpack that together, all right? Jesus replied, verse 5, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it is coming from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. We are going to finish off our sermon series, Kingdom Culture, today with a message that I've entitled, Kingdom Citizen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Kingdom Citizen. All right. And I'm going to get you guys out of here a little earlier than normal because we're going to have a big old party today. Y'all excited to party with everyone getting baptized today? I'm so pumped up for it. Kingdom Citizen. We've been studying the culture of the kingdom of God. Our sermon series has been called kingdom culture and we believe that culture is shaped by behavior which is influenced by language language influences our behavior and our behavior then shapes the culture to which we belong to because we believe that to be true we've been looking at the red letters of the bible y'all know what the red letters are the words that Jesus actually spoke. So for those of you that have your Bibles or still like to read a Bible where you like to lift the pages and, 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 and um, I, I still prefer to read the Bible that way. They have a great Bible app. If you get it electronically, that is entirely okay. But in my Bible, there are red letters. And those are the things that Jesus actually said. And so we have really zeroed in on those things. We, we focused our attention on the things that Jesus actually said, and that has been our premise for kingdom culture. But today, because it is Baptism Sunday, I want to take you a bit on a journey. When Jesus first talks about baptism, about being born again, about what it means to be born of the water, and what it means to be born of the Spirit. Y'all with me so far? All right, let's dig in. The first thing that I want you to write down is this. Faith is a journey. 
Okay? Write that down. That's the first thing. For those of you that are here, you know that I love for you all to take notes. It is a proven statistic that 85% of people that take notes are going to get into heaven. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But I just like for you all to take notes. And if you're not taking notes, don't worry. Just write this down. Faith is a journey. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, but something had already begun to happen on the inside of Nicodemus. The Bible says here in John that when it was night, Nicodemus, who we learn is one of the religious leaders, okay, he comes to Jesus at night, and the reason that he comes to him at night is because he's got questions, and because he came to him at night, he didn't want anyone to know that he was coming to have a conversation with Jesus. Anybody ever have someone just drop by your house at night? Anyone ever have someone just ring your doorbell and you're like, who in the world is that? Back in the day when someone would ring your doorbell at night, you'd put on a pot of coffee and you'd get excited. You're like, come in, let's have some coffee. Nowadays, you just like, you know, turn the lights off. Act like no one's here. We don't want to answer the door, right? Um, that's just how we do it. Times have changed. Well, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because he doesn't want any of his contemporaries to know that he's coming to Jesus because the religious leaders at that time had a big problem with Jesus. They had a very big issue with Jesus. Jesus had already been proclaimed to be the Messiah by his cousin John the Baptist. And Jesus went out and said, look, I am who he says I am. I am the Messiah. I've come here to earth. And everything that we've been waiting for, all the prophecies that have been pointed to the Messiah coming, I'm your guy. I am here. That's, that's my, my, my paraphrase of what he said. But he has already announced his arrival. But a lot of people had a problem with him because he didn't come in the way that they thought that the Messiah would come. And so Nicodemus had to come to Jesus at night because he didn't want anyone to see him. But God was working on the inside of Nicodemus' heart. Because the way that he approached Jesus, the very first thing that he says to him is that we all know that God has sent you to teach us. We all know. He, he didn't come to him with speculation. He didn't come to him wondering whether or not this was the Messiah. He said, we know that God is with you. He, he was still working out his theology, if you will. He was still trying to figure out, is this the Son of God? Do we wait for another? Is this a one? But faith is a journey. I want to actually read you a passage of Scripture. It's just before these passages that we read in John chapter 3. And it's the last couple of verses in John chapter 2. And I want to explain to you how Jesus was able to take Nicodemus' question and respond with an answer that had nothing to do with Nicodemus' question. Did you guys catch that when we first read this passage of Scripture? Nicodemus comes to him and says, we know that you're a man of God. We've seen all the miraculous things you're doing. And Jesus says, great, you need to be born of the water and born of the Spirit or else you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That was kind of a curious response, wasn't it? If you think about it, Nicodemus comes and doesn't ask anything about being born again. He doesn't ask anything about salvation. He doesn't ask anything about next steps. It's almost like he came to Jesus, fist bump like, hey man, I know you're the real deal. And Jesus doesn't acknowledge it. Right away, Jesus says, you need to be born again. Why does he do that? Let's read some scriptures in John chapter 2, verse 23. It says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Everybody say, savage Jesus. I mean, like, they're like beginning to trust him. And he's like, I don't trust you. You got any people in your life that are like that where they just like love you and trust you and you're like, oh, I don't feel the same way about you. 
That's how Jesus was. Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was inside of each person's heart. So when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus did a quick little scan of his heart, and he knew that Nicodemus was ready for the next step. That's why Jesus' response to Nicodemus seems like it had nothing to do with the statement Nicodemus just made. But Jesus was getting ready to take Nicodemus on a spiritual journey. And that's exactly what faith is. Faith is a spiritual journey. We don't view baptism, and we're going to have baptism today. We don't view baptism as a finish line. And I grew up in a church when, when you, you were getting ready to get baptized, they bring you down to the front of the church. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you were in a church that they did it like this. And they would bring you up to the front of the church and they would start to tell you what you can no longer do again. And they actually called it the sentence as if you were going to die. And, and they tell you no more this and no more that and no more this and no more that. You had to be perfect in order to get baptized. But we believe that baptism is not the end of a journey, but it is the beginning of a journey. How many know that it's the beginning of a journey? That's why we want for you to know God. There's four things that we want for you as this church. And the first thing that we want for you to, to do is we want you to know God. We want you to enter into a personal relationship with God because salvation is personal. There's nothing that I could say to you or could convince you to do that would compel you to be saved. It is a personal thing that you have got to arrive at together with God. And that's why Nicodemus is trying to reconcile his faith. And so he comes to this man named Jesus at night so that nobody knew that they would see him there. But he comes to him and says, we all know that God has sent you. So he is going on this faith journey. And I want to tell everyone in this room that faith, because it is a journey, how many know that journeys aren't always upwards and to the right in the business sense, where it's always just going uphill, always going uphill. A few years ago, I was getting ready to take on a, a big endurance event. And as part of my preparation for that endurance event, I started seeing a chiropractor because my back was just thrashed, all jacked up. And he said something to me that has always stayed with me. He said, Josh, we're going to come in here for a series of treatment. We're going to just be working you out. I'm going to give you some stuff that you got to do at home. But he said, the process to recovery is not linear. It, some days it's going to be better, and then we might go down. They're going to go up, and they're going to go down. They're going to go up, and they're going to go down. Any hikers in the room right now? Anybody that likes to hike? You know what I'm talking about. When you're hiking, it's never straight up. You'll do up. You might meander sideways. You might go down a little bit. You're, the process is still going higher and higher, but the process of going higher is actually filled with ups and downs. And because faith is a journey, you need to know that there's going to be some ups and there's going to be some downs. I'd be lying to you if I told you that the minute you made a decision to follow Jesus, that it would be unicorns and Skittles for the rest of your life. It's not always going to be that way. It's not always going to be a rosy garden. There's going to be times when you're going to have low points in your life, and you're going to need to trust Jesus more than you've ever had to trust him before. Faith is a journey. It's like a good road trip. Anyone like going on road trips here? Hey, where are my road trip people at? Okay, now, now here's a moment of transparency. Now, where's my flying people that are like, I'll just meet you there. Thank you, my people, my people right there. Uh, Y'all go on ahead on that road trip. I will see you there. We don't go camping. We go glamping, right? But if you've ever been on a road trip, you know that, like, that energy starts, right? It's there. It's palpable. 
You know what I mean? You're doing that McDonald's sausage McMuffin at 6.30 in the morning because you're going on a road trip. No one had time to make breakfast at home because no one's going to do the dishes, right? You're going on a road trip, and it starts off good. But what happens? At some point, you start getting annoyed with the other people that are in the car. Thank you for the honest people in the room that are like, absolutely. And so there's ups and there's downs. And, and here's the worst part of a road trip. Y'all know what the worst part of the road trip is, right? Coming home. Yeah, see? See? Why is it that when you go to Vegas, it feels like an hour, and when you come back, it feels like 10? It, it just does every single time. And, and so faith is a journey. You're going to have some ups, and you're going to have some downs. Faith is a journey. And, and, and every journey begins with a first step. Every single journey begins with the first step. At some point, you have got to learn to step out. At some point, you have got to be willing to step out. When we say that faith is a journey, I'm compelling some of you that are in this room that have not yet started this faith journey to take your first step today. I am compelling you to take your first step today. I am not promising you that it will always be easy, but I'm telling you that when God is on your side, it's always going to be worth it. I'm telling you that when God is on your side, you're always going to look back at days like today's and realize that, man, that was a good day. That was a great day. The day that I started my journey, there's no other days like the day that I started that thing. And God will be with you every step of your journey. Come on, clap your hands if you know that he's with you every step of your journey. And because it is a journey, what Jesus had to do with Nicodemus was get him to take his next step, all right? So the second thing that I want you to write down is faith does not stay private. Faith does not stay private. And Jesus is compelling Nicodemus to take his next step. Because just like love, faith begins in our heart, and then eventually there is an outward expression. Isn't that the way love works too? You see that cute girl at the other side of the room? It begins with a feeling on the inside, but eventually you got to take that feeling and take a step and walk towards her. Can I get a good amen on that, man? Not slide into her DMs. You got to go talk to her in person. I don't know what's up with these guys these days. Nobody wants to have a face-to-face -face conversation anymore. I sent her a text message. Put that phone away and go say hello. Be chivalrous for a moment, okay? You see, love has to start outwardly expressing itself. And faith and love both need to do the same thing because faith begins in the heart, but eventually faith needs to start doing something. Faith needs to look like something. I have been married to my wife now for 15 years. But you know what? I got a little surprise. Yeah, you already know where I'm going with this. Pastor Joe and Madai are celebrating 19 years of marriage today. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Joe and Madai. 19 years married today, and they're celebrating their anniversary with you. We love you all. We love you all. They decided to come to church. I was like, why didn't you go on a trip? But they didn't want to miss it. That's how much they love this church and love you all. Um, but, but, faith, but just like love needs to be expressed, faith needs to be expressed. And, and, and you all know that the more that you love someone, the more that you show that expression. As you start falling in love with someone, you start to do some things that some of your boys thought you would never do. It's a young man at our previous church, and he had two colors in his wardrobe, black and blue. Okay? He was just a man. And uh, he either wore a black shirt or a blue shirt. And he was part of the youth group. And I remember telling him, like, man, do, do you wear anything other than black and blue? Nope, these are men's colors. That's all I ever wear. But then he met who would become his wife. And the day that brother walked into a church with a pink t-shirt on, 
I'm telling you all, the day that he wore a pink t-shirt, I thought, it is over. This guy is done. Stick a fork in him. Love will cause you to do some things, amen? And if I ask some of you to start telling me some of the things you've had to do for love, you're like, no, 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 Pastor, we ain't trying to talk about this. It's personal. But, but love is not a private thing. And, and, and the challenge is there's a lot of people that want to have faith and try to keep that in private. But just like love is not private, faith should not be private either. What Jesus begins on the inside of you eventually needs to start showing outwardly. People need to see that you are on a faith journey. And because you're on a faith journey, the more that you become like Christ, the more there should be a change in your life. Now, it used to be at the old church that we wanted you to change before God did anything on the inside of you. Although we would sing a song that would say Jesus on the inside working on the outside. The truth of the matter is, is like, man, you better look the part. Fake it until you make it. That's what I, sometimes I'd hear. But we want to get faith rooted on the inside of you. And the faith that's moving on the inside of you should compel you to manifest that faith, demonstrate that faith. That faith needs to look like something. That faith needs to look like something. And so Nicodemus comes to where Jesus is and he tells him, I know that you're the son of God. I see all those miraculous things that you do. And Jesus is like, Nicodemus, you got to get baptized then. Now, that was, now, now stop right there. Like that was, he, he's trying to take Nicodemus from this religious leader, right? And this, the, this group over here, I don't have time to explain it all, but let's just say they kept the law, they followed the rules, but baptism wasn't a part of their rules. They're like, no, we don't do that. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, if you know that I am God, you need to be born of the water and be born of the spirit. And Nicodemus is like, whoa, wait, time out, wait a second. But that's what Jesus calls us to do, and that's what he invites us into. He invites us into a place where we do the things that outwardly express the inward change that God is doing in our life. There needs to be an outward expression of the change that God is doing in your life. If a man had a girlfriend, and they have been living together, and, and he tells her, baby, one day I'm going to marry you. And if that joker never marries her, you better believe that girl's going to walk out at some point, right? Because at some point, you better come down and officialize this thing. At some point, it's not enough to have all the benefits without ever doing the thing that makes this thing real. Love does. Love needs to manifest itself. Love needs to demonstrate. Love needs to get to this place where it is public. And that's a great analogy that I make for people that want to take that next step to get baptized. It's that public marriage, if you will, saying, I am now his and he is mine. Come on, how many are so thankful for the day that you made that decision to say, he is mine and I am his. It's my public declaration. And so Christ compelled Nicodemus, didn't force him, but he compelled him and he drawed him in. And he tells him, Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and unless you're born of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus is just absolutely floored by what he heard because Nicodemus wasn't expecting that type of response. I think what Nicodemus was trying to do was have a conversation with Jesus about how he did the miracles that he did. Because that's the first thing he alluded to. He said, I know that God is with you because I see you do all these amazing miracles. And Jesus is like, I'm not here to give you something out of my hand. I'm not here to give you a blessing. I want you to have a relationship with me first. And too many people want the benefits of Christ without having a relationship with them. They want all the benefits of a relationship with the Savior, but don't actually want to have a relationship with the Savior. 
people get into a gym and they tell me, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm like, I will, but you better be praying for yourself too. You better be praying for yourself too. Because it is a personal relationship. He is a personal Savior. And he wants to have this relationship together with you. The last thing that I want you to write down, and, and I'm going to start winding this down and come to a close. The last thing that I want you to write down is faith gives us life. Can you say that with me? Say faith gives us life. Because Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, and, and he, he asks that question. Like, well, wait a second. Born again, how do I possibly go back into my mother's womb? And you're kind of like, just the logistics of that kind of question, Nicodemus. Come on. Why would you ask that sort of thing? But it's never been talked about before. And Nicodemus asked this question in all sincerity. How do I get born again? And Jesus begins to take him through the process. And he explains to him what it is to be born of the water and born of the spirit. He says, assure to you, no one can enter into the kingdom of God without being born of water. Everybody say, of water. And the spirit. Everybody say, spirit. And so he tells him there has got to be both this water baptism and there needs to be this spiritual baptism. And the new birth experience is a combination of born of water, born of spirit. It's both of those things working together. When you have accepted Christ and you have received his spirit, that's what it is to be born of the spirit. But when you have gone down into the waters and when you have been baptized, that's what it means to be born of the water. And so Jesus explains to John that you need both. You need to be, bo you need to be born of the water and you need to be born of the spirit. And what's beautiful about the language of being born again, that word born comes from the Greek word genau, which means to procreate, watch this now, properly from the father, but by extension of the mother. Properly of the father, if you will, it's like a biological birth, I'm going to use that language, a biological birth through the father, but the extension of that is the mother, okay? It is when we have received the spirit of God, when God's spirit comes on the inside of you, we are now being born again, and that spirit is coming from our heavenly father. But it happens through the, through the mother, and the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. And that's why a new birth experience is not just the day that you've accepted Christ, and not just the day that you made the decision to be baptized, but also the day that you decided to plug into a local church, which is the body of Christ. It's those things working together. It is born of the Father, but by extension through the mother. So it is having received the Spirit of Christ, having received Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. And by extension, through the mother, through the church. So Jesus is saying, the new birth experience, what you need to have happen, Nicodemus, in your life, is you need to come out from being amongst those religious people Receive me and now be a part of the church, the body of Christ. This is why church is so much more than a Sunday experience. This is why church is not a building. Church is a people. Church is a community of people that have put their faith in Jesus and they are now walking together with him, living together with him. And we saw in the book of Acts, if you go at the end of the Gospels, we see that the church together was able to change the world. And so the new birth experience is having been received once again from the Father, born of the Father through the church, and now being part of a local church body. And so to be born of the water and born of the Spirit, those are the things that Jesus was leading Nicodemus to do. He's saying, Nicodemus, your next step is to get baptized, and Nicodemus, your next step is to receive the Spirit of God. It's not enough to sit back and marvel at the things that God does and not experience them for yourself. 
I was 11 years old when I was baptized. I may have been young, a little too young to get baptized. But at 11 years old, something compelled me that this was a decision that I had to make. A lot of the reason that I made that decision was the faith of my father and the faith of my mother because I had grown up in this thing. But make no mistake, there was a day when my faith and my relationship with Jesus became extremely personal. It became extremely personal. And I can tell you, to the day that I remember that I felt like I had my first real encounter with God. But that's why faith is a journey. It is a journey. It is steps. It's not getting everything figured out on the first day and expecting all else to be perfect from that point forward. Faith is taking these steps to becoming more like Jesus every single day. That's why even though at the end of the service we might ask you to raise your hand and accept Christ as Savior. We might ask you to raise your hand to re-enter into a relationship with Christ. No hand raised in and of itself is going to save you. Because the raising of your hand isn't the only thing that's going to save you. You've got to raise your faith as well. You have got to put your faith in him. You have got to put your belief in him. Raising a hand in and of itself ain't going to save you. You have got to put your whole life into his hands. But it's a step. And we take you on that step. And, and so many people will ask that question, well, how many steps does it take in order to be saved? It doesn't take one step. It doesn't take two steps. It doesn't take five steps. It takes day after day steps of getting closer to Jesus. It is literally the walk of a lifetime. That's what it takes to be saved. We are never done in this walk with Christ. We are never at a place where we have arrived in this walk with Christ. And Jesus seeing Nicodemus, knowing that Nicodemus was already starting to figure some things out inside of his house, inside of his, inside of his heart, Jesus says, you need to take that next step. And you need to get baptized. The act of baptism is symbolic. Spiritually speaking, baptism washes away our sins. We have already been forgiven of our sins. All we have to do is receive the forgiveness of sins. You need to get that right now. Nothing you do in and of yourself will cause you to have been forgiven of your sins. You can't make God forgive you. He's already forgiven you. All you can do is receive it now. Y'all catching that? You don't earn salvation. You don't earn forgiveness. You receive forgiveness. I've never understood this as much as when I became a father. Because my sons do some things that, if I'm being honest with you, get me very upset. But they know that my forgiveness is going to be there if they just receive it. And like every good father, like every good parent in this room, how many of you after maybe having a moment with your son have to go back in there and have a just soft, quiet talk with your son or daughter and kind of just get that whole thing fixed, right? How many of you ever had to apologize to your kid? Come on, be honest. There's been times where my reaction was like loud, okay, screaming. And I've had to come back and be like, all right, I'm sorry, son. I really should not have reacted like that. <laughs> Can I be honest with you all? And, and, and it's like, look, you did this, but that really didn't warrant that type of response. And so, so it is with Christ. Forgiveness is something that all we've got to do is receive. We receive. You do not earn forgiveness. You receive forgiveness. For every person in this room right now, because I've had a lot of people tell me, Pastor, I'm not good enough. That's the biggest lie of the enemy right there. That is the biggest lie of the enemy right there. Because he has already died for you. He's made you enough. All he's asked you to do is to receive it. So you receive the forgiveness of sins. We don't earn it. And once you've received it, 
That's when we go public. That's when we get baptized, y'all. I'm excited for baptisms that are about to happen in just a few more minutes. That's going public. I've received the forgiveness. Now let's go public with this. And it's, it is this washing away of our sins. That is what it means to be baptized. When we ask for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, when we are born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a gift. Everybody say a gift. How many you know that you don't earn gifts? We don't earn gifts. A gift is a gift. A gift is something that somebody just gives to you, and all you have to do is receive that gift. Gifts aren't earned. Gifts are received. If you had to earn it, that wouldn't be a gift. That would be called a reward. And I know the difference between the two because there are rewards to my kids when they behave, and then there's gifts, stuff that they didn't earn. As a matter of fact, they really didn't earn it, but we gave it to them anyway. Teach them a lesson in grace and mercy. And so when we are born again, we take this next step, water baptism and spirit baptism. And spirit baptism is simply saying, God, invite your Holy Spirit into my life. And water baptism is saying, and now I want to go public with this decision that I've just made. I'm closing this out right now. And so in the final verse, it says this. I love this final verse right here. And I'm going to close on this. Jesus, after explaining to him what it means to be water baptized, spirit baptized, all you have to do is ask for it. All you have to do is step into that tank and we can begin a new life all over again. He says in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so, I love this part right here, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So you cannot explain. You know what I love about that? Is there's a lot of people in this room that have stepped into a relationship with Jesus where everyone in your life was like, I never saw that coming. The things that they used to do, no way. The person that I thought they'd become, no way. That person became a Jesus follower, no way. But isn't that just the way that Jesus works, church? Isn't he the one that uses the person that's the least likely and says, I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of them. I'm going to give them my anointing. And they're going to do things that nobody thought they would ever be able to do. If you look at the Bible, it is littered with men and women who are not good enough. And yet the spirit of God qualified them. He used them and he made them good enough. And so anytime someone says to me, I'm not good enough, I always think back, you're just like every other man and woman in the Bible that was not good enough. Did Jesus use a prostitute? Absolutely he used a prostitute. Did Jesus use a murderer? Absolutely he used a murderer. As a matter of fact, the greatest king in all of Israel to this day was both an adulterer and a murderer. So every time you think there's no way that God can use me, the Holy Spirit will blow in such a way that people cannot explain it. There's no way I can explain how God would use that person. And he will breathe on everyone because God is for you. You need to know that. He is for you. Not only is he for you, but he's for people. And no matter what you have done in this life, this new birth is for you today. It is yours today. And today, you can take the next step in your journey and make a decision to publicly profess your faith in Christ through water baptism and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, today is the day. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.